but there is still a desire to test this idea of capitation of we're going to break away from cpt code described services and just send a set amount of money to entities that take accountability for total cost of care Travis Broom, the Senior Vice President of Policy and Economics at Allidate, is back, this time with Brittany Burns, a co-producer of The ACO Show and an analyst on the policy team. They discuss the new total cost of care model coming from the Medicare Innovation Center called Direct Contracting. You will learn how it compares to other models of value-based care, the structure of the direct contracting program, and some things to consider for providers thinking about joining direct contracting versus the Medicare Shared Savings Model. We welcome our new ACO Show co-host, Brian Chaglinski, Allidade's Senior Director of Communication. Welcome to the ACO Show. I'm Josh Israel, a physician and a medical director. And we're pleased to welcome Travis Broom, who is a Vice President at Allidade and the Head of Policy, as well as Brittany Barnes coming around to the side of the microphone. She's one of our ACO Show producers and also works on the policy team. And I want to introduce Brian Chaglinski, who is joining me as a co-host on this show. So welcome, everybody. We're talking today about direct contracting. That's a new model coming out of Medicare uh, that physicians can think about joining. Um, Brittany, can you tell us a little bit about what direct contracting is? Sure. Like you just mentioned, direct contracting is a new model coming from the Medicare Innovation Center. It's a total cost of care model with the first cohort set to start in April of 2021. It's essentially testing out capitated payments at the primary care level, and it's meant to be the follow-up to the next-gen ACO since that model will be ending um, this year. Recently, CMMI announced its first set of participants, which I believe is 50 or 51 direct contracting entities for this first cohort. There will be a second option for DCEs, and providers who want to join and start in 2022. One thing for providers to keep in mind is that if you are in direct contracting, that's pretty much it. That's the only Medicare program you're going to be able to participate in. On the other hand, if you're in a shared savings program ACO, you can also do other CMMI programs such as Primary Care First or CPC+. Great. Thanks for that uh, helpful overview. Travis, I think uh, we'd like to hear kind of what do you think are the top three priorities uh, that folks should remember about the direct contracting model? Yeah. So, yeah, I think one of the easiest ways to um, figure out what a what a model is designed to do is just to, you know, read what CMS said it was designed to do. So Brittany mentioned the biggest thing and that the model's main purpose um, is to test the idea of Capitation. Now, not full capitation. You know, they're not going to send you the total cost of care like an MA plan gets as a premium and, and say, have fun, um, but partial capitation. At a minimum, there's some you're going to do it for primary care. So they'll basically send you up to 7% of the total cost of care of your attributed patients. So, you know, if your benchmark's 10000 bucks, they're going to send you $700 over the course of the year to provide primary care. If you're a larger system and you historically represent 30% of that $10,000, then they'll send you $3,000. And basically what happens is CMS is trading that kind of minute, like we're gonna tell you how to spend this money, or at least have you tell us what services you provided through you know, fee-for-service billing codes with 
a little more freedom um, on how you spend that. In exchange, you become very accountable um, for that money. So before shared savings are calculated, before things are divvied up between Medicare and you the way they are in a shared savings program, first and foremost, CMS is going to make sure they got every cent of that primary care capitation back, right? So if they sent you 700 bucks and um, out of that 10,000, it ends up being $10,100, they're going to want that full hundred bucks back right off the top. Um, so that's different. And that is a capitation kind of methodology there. So that's number one and probably the biggest one. If I joined direct contracting, what am I going to do with capitation? And it's important to realize who I is in this situation. I is not individual healthcare providers or practices. I is the direct contracting entity or, you know, more commonly known as an ACL. So that group is the one who gets that $700 or that $3,000 and they decide how to distribute it throughout the participants, the actual practices and the healthcare clinicians in the ACO. So that's number one. Um, number two was, you know, there is total cost of care accountability. So I have my benchmark, I trued up, I paid back all my capitation and then, okay, so what's left? You know, do I get savings by reducing the total cost of care? That's what ACOs are all about. CMS here really designed the model to be essentially equivalent to the Medicare Shared Savings Program Enhanced if you're starting from the same place. So if I'm starting a new ACO or a new direct contracting entity and I save 10% on total cost of care, all said and done, I get basically the same amount back to me in either MSSP or enhanced or in the global direct contracting model. There is a professional direct contracting model where I would only get 50% back that is a lot less than I would get in MSSP. So the only reason you're doing professional is if all you care about is the capitation side. But if you care about total cost of care too, then you're either doing global DC or you're doing MSSP enhanced and you're getting roughly the same if you have the same savings rate. But again, in global DC, you get back to that capitation idea. And what are we gonna do with capitation? Do you have big plans for capitation? then DC might be for you. Do you have no plans for capitation? MSSP is designed to be equivalent and is you don't have to mess with capitation. Um, and the other important thing to remember too about capitation is it will just be for your attributed members in Medicare traditional, right? So you're not getting capitation on all your patients by any means. You're getting it on 70% of your traditional Medicare folks. Uh, the last part goal that CMS laid out is that they wanted it to be attractive. Um, to kind of new entrants. There are some organizations out there who do a lot of value-based stuff in Medicare Advantage and almost none in traditional Medicare. And one of the reasons is they don't have a fee-for-service chassis to build on. So CMS is hopeful that the capitation part will be attractive um, to those entrants and maybe pull them into traditional uh, Medicare, whereas now they're almost exclusively in Medicare Advantage. So those are really the three things. Do you have big plans for capitation? DC could be an implementation of those big plans. Do you intend to make total cost of care savings and you're starting from nothing? Um, then you're looking at basically equivalency between MSSP enhanced and global direct contracting. But you got to remember 10 million beneficiaries are already in Medicare shared savings program. 
Allidate has half a million beneficiaries roughly in the Medicare Shared Savings Program and a company-wide savings rate of 5.8%. We're not starting from zero. So that's a big check in favor of MSSP. Um, and then finally, you know, kind of, are you new to Medicare, traditional Medicare? Then DC is probably more attractive than MSSP to you. If you have an established patient base, if you've been doing traditional Medicare, you have traditional Medicare patients, you've had them for years, they're loyal to you, you have great relationships and things, then pretty much back to bullet one and two. Do I have big plans for capitation? And am I already generating a lot of savings in MSSP or not? So you mentioned practices and the direct contracting entities as players in direct contracting. Is there anyone else who would be involved in the program or just can you talk a little bit more about the actual structure of the program? Yeah, it's a great, yeah, I've kind of alluded at the structure a couple of times here, but didn't, um, didn't actually define. So, you know, the way it works is an organization be it an accountable care organization, be it a large health system, be it an IPA, um, but some organization that represents lots of healthcare providers who end up with lots of Medicare lives uh, will apply to be a direct contracting entity, um, an ACM for all intents and purposes. And that's the one who will have the contract with Medicare. So that's the organization that's going to get the capitation payments. That's the organization that's on the hook for reporting quality. That's the organization that's on the hook for losses, 100% downside in global DC, and the entity to which savings will be sent. Clinicians, doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, CNS, all the PAs, et cetera, their practice organizations will basically make agreements with that DCE or that ACO, similar to how it's done in MSSP, except you have that capitation element. Um, and those agreements will define how the money flows from the DCE to your practice. So again, I'm running a practice. I join a DCE. Medicare is no longer sending me 120 bucks for my 99214. Now I'm getting paid by the DCE. Um, and maybe they send all $700 of cap primary care capitation my way. Maybe they keep $100 or $200 of it. Um, to run their organization and do their services, and they send me $500. Maybe they don't do a full cap for me. Maybe I send my 99214 to them and they just pay me $120. Certainly don't recommend that. I think that's kind of a distortion uh, of the program. And I think CMS will, might prevent that. And they would want to see some capitation flow downstream to the provider. The structure is really important because you gotta understand, like, Though you won't have a direct contract with Medicare, the way you are paid by Medicare will change because essentially for a primary care capitation, at least you won't be paid by Medicare. You'll be paid by the direct contracting entity. Uh, so that was a really helpful overview. Let's put yourselves, I guess, in the shoes of a small practice that has realized through COVID-19 that revenue through traditional fee-for-service is not the most reliable, and it's time to try to set foot in value-based care. What should they be thinking of when they compare direct contracting to traditional programs like MSSP? Um, what are kind of the costs and benefits, and, and how should they think about that decision? First and foremost, take that first step now into value-based care. 
Um, you're talking about COVID-19 and the impact on fee-for-service revenue. Our ACOs who started back in 2016, they got shared savings checks in September of 2020. Great time to get some extra revenue that were equivalent to almost 30% of their total Medicare revenue, completely you know, unaffected by COVID. Um, and the program has done incredibly robust pieces um, during COVID. Um, I like to say fee-for-service required billions in bailouts. Um, Medicare Shared Savings Program required 26 pages of reg to survive the pandemic. So first and foremost, start, because it does take time for excellence in primary care and population health to kind of add up and generate recurring savings at a significant level. So start. Your question was really about, should I start in DC or should I start in MSSP? Um, again, you know, COVID-19 showed the fragility of fee-for-service. If you're not billing, you're not getting paid, whereas a capitation is more consistent. But capitation is also a lot more work. With that freedom becomes a lot of designs. You have to figure out, all right, well, how am I going to do things differently? Um, how is my Tuesday actually going to be different if I'm in a capitated model for one-third of my patients or one-quarter of my patients? than it is going to be when I'm 100% in fee-for-service with an ACO model on top. Um, so it would have smoothed out revenues in this global pandemic, but I would encourage everybody to kind of not over-index, if you will, on that. Hopefully there will be no global pandemic two years from now. Um, so it really comes down to more, in my mind, when you think about participating DC in 2022, which is what everybody on this call, that would be the option. Um, is how do I want my Tuesday to be different? Do I want to practice medicine in a fundamentally different way that capitation would enable? Or do I what I really want to do is capture the value I'm creating by delivering excellence in primary care and pop health the way I do basically today, and in which case they're designed to be equivalent. And MSSP is going on its ninth year. It has 10 million Medicare beneficiaries is a statutorily mandated program. There are physician-led ACOs have done very, very well. And recently, even hospital ACOs have started to save money as well. So you know, it is a established big program that is working now across the board and has always worked for physician-led ACOs, whereas direct contracting is a brand new model launched by uh, an administration that's about to transition to a different administration. So there's a certain amount of risk there as well. That's great. Yeah. I, I think one of the things you mentioned is how new this model is. And I think uh, something we can always learn from these new proposals and policies is kind of how policymakers are seeing the move to value and what this says, whether or not uh, the next administration continues on the exact same path. Uh, I think it kind of gives us some indications on how policymakers are thinking about value. What do you think the creation of direct contracting and the uh, parts that it chooses to uh, emphasize or focus on tells us about how policymakers are looking at uh, value-based programs? Mm -hmm. So I think it's twofold. I think direct contracting specifically tells us two things. Um, one, that there's absolutely interest in this idea of rather than layering a value-based payment, a significant value-based payment, like I said, 30% of all revenue. We have some practices um, in our 2015 ACO that are like 50, 60% of revenue are coming from shared savings payments now. 
right? So that's real money. No more, none of this 5% AAPM bonus stuff. Um, but the underpinning still fee-for-service. And that has worked really, really well in our MSSP ACOs. They actually have a phrase for it. We call it good fee-for-service. Um, but there is still a desire to test this idea of capitation, of we're going to break away from CPT code described services and just send a set amount of money to entities that take accountability for total cost of care. Like I said, the money goes to the DCE, which then distributes it to healthcare providers. When you hear people write about it and you hear people talk about it, they're basically talking about the provider and the DCE being the same person. When the reality for most healthcare clinicians um, is that they will not be the DCE. So if you're a practice, this is not coming to you straight from CMS. It's coming through whoever your ACO is or your, your direct contracting entity is to you. It's always a word of caution there. Um, so that's one that there's continues to be interest in capitation. There has been for a long time. Capitation was all the rage in the 90s, for example, um, in HMO. And the other is that there's been a fair amount of innovation um, that has happened in Medicare Advantage, and not all of it. A lot of it has um, and, um, translated to traditional Medicare, and some of it was born in traditional Medicare and transferred to Medicare Advantage. But there's definitely a, a sliver of innovation that is happening in Medicare Advantage that is not happening right now in traditional Medicare. Um, so that's goal number two of they're like, you know, can we attract some of that into traditional Medicare? Great. Yeah. So it sounds like what you're saying is this direct contracting model is, is certainly uh, an interesting new way to enter into value-based care for folks who are really interested in capitation. Uh, but the tried and true model, the one that's grounded in statute uh, that's been in operation for nearly a decade is MSSP. And that's Kind of a more traditional, more more proven way to to bring about savings and and uh, help some of these practices um, enter value based care for the first time. Is that right? Is that a general generally a good summary? Absolutely. I mean, you're just looking at Alliday's now six year experience. You know, we we've looked at Pioneer, we looked at NextGen, we've looked at yeah. DC. You know, we've stuck it out with MSSP because MSSP really provides a stable platform for being accountable for total cost of care. At the end of the day, that's what an ACO is all about. Looking forward a little bit, and it may be hard to read too many tea leaves as the new administration is just beginning to staff up. What are some of your thoughts on how, whether or not we know exactly which direction they'll go with value, kind of what are they thinking and, and what are new policymakers coming into CMS looking at in the landscape of value-based care? Like what's going to stand out most of them right now? Yeah, I think the most important um, thing for the new administration to, to kind of remember in really when you're thinking about DC is that it's not it's not 2009 anymore. Um, we've made a lot of progress um, in value to date over now two administrations, the Obama administration and the Trump administration. And now right. the Biden administration is coming in, right? That's, you know, value has evolved but stayed steadfast and grown under yeah. both um and you know for mssp in particular but some of the other models as well as proven you know mssp everybody's looked at it you know oig cobo outside researchers from harvard and other places cms itself and everyone yeah. always finds savings um yeah. now at a program level people are like oh it's only one or two percent well yeah but one or two percent over 10 million people really adds up. So um, modest savings over a big program 
is a lot of money. Um, and then for individual ACOs, you can see much higher. Like I said, Allidate savings rate is up 5.8% running roughly right now. So I think for the new administration, it's all about grow, baby, grow. Um, you know, how can we take, take 10 million and turn it into 20 million? How can we take what, frankly, a lot of the people who probably come in from the Biden administration built uh, when they were more junior members of the Obama administration and, and really grow it? Double the size right. of it, um, for example, would be awesome. And then always, you know, there's always things to tweak, you know, like you get a participation bonus and for be taking risk, which is a great idea, but it just takes way too long to show up in doctors' bank accounts. It's a participation bonus. You sign up, it should show up in your bank account. That'd be <laughs> a fix for them. You know, there's other other things we've talked about as well on, on kind of tweaks in previous podcasts of the program. But the big thing is it works. You know, we've been doing this for closing in on a decade right now. So now it's really just a matter of, you know, we want to get as many savings as we can for the taxpayer um, through these programs. And mm -hmm. that means getting more people. Travis Broom, uh, Dalladade Senior Vice President of Policy and Economics. Thanks so much for taking the time to explain a brand new uh, value-based care model and what it means for, for practices like the ones we work with every day. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. This episode of The ACO Show was produced by Brittany Barnes and Hannah Posner. Our theme music is by Donna Korn. You can find previous episodes on our website, Allidade.com, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Show.